Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the show. This is Missing the Point with Miles David. Thank you for tuning back in. If this is your first time listening, welcome. As I record this on Sunday evening, January 3rd of 2021, we are in a new fresh year. Uh, Happy New Year. This is probably my first time saying it on the podcast. Well, I I know it is my first time saying it on the podcast. (laughs) Here I am trying to sound so scripted and... That's just not my not my that's not my forte. <laughs> but nonetheless, happy new year guys. I am glad that we have made it out of 2020 for a second there, actually for several seconds, if not minutes there. I thought we were all gonna go poof at the end of 2020 because it felt like the purge or it just felt like something wasn't quite adding up and we were not supposed to see another year. <laughs> at least that's how I felt. But I'm glad that we're in 2021. I'm glad that I'm still able to talk to you guys and you guys are able to interact with me in the podcast and all that fun stuff so if it is your first time listening thank you i appreciate it if you're tuning back in and you have become a regular listener i appreciate that too so keep rocking with me um today i have a lot in store for you guys on this episode i actually am going to hit you with some tennis talk some tennis news some tennis updates and i'm going to segue into a conversation that I had with a wonderful friend of mine who happens to be a model, blogger, influencer, and everything else under the sun. And I really had a really dope conversation with him. And I want you guys to be able to listen to that and see what I got from it. And hopefully if you are kind of on your own journey into becoming a better influencer or using whatever kind of tools there are out in the world, because there's so many, you know, as far as social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, blah, 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 and creating your own brand. Hopefully you can get some kind of insight and inspiration from the podcast. I know I did. I definitely wanted Francis on the podcast for a long time, and I'm glad that I'm actually able to sit here and have the audio for you guys to listen to. So without further ado, let's hop into some tennis news because it's 2021. It's the top of the year and a lot of things are happening and changing and twisting and turning in the tennis world. And I want to make sure you guys are up to date if you already don't know and you probably should at this point because some of the stuff I'm saying happened in December, but you know, <laughs> there's a, there's a method behind my madness. So just keep listening. Okay. Just keep listening. <laughs> Another one for the highlight reel. All right, you guys. So it is the top of a brand new year and Usually when that occurs, tennis fans or tennis diehards or tennis heads, whatever you want to call us, are ear to the wind and our noses are open and our grins are wide because that means it's the beginning of a new tennis season and typically play starts off in Australia at the beginning of the year, in Melbourne at the Australian Open in January and that just kind of sets the mood for every tennis fan and just sets the mood for the entire season because I guess insert fun fact here if you aren't fully aware of how tennis works and I know a lot of my listeners aren't fully up to date so if you aren't open up your ears right now and loudened up that podcast <laughs> or make sure it's all the way up because i want you to understand what i'd be talking about what i'd be talking about it okay no okay got you anyway <laughs> tennis does not or tennis traditionally does not have what most sports consider a off season and that's why when referring to tennis it's often referred to as a tour because they are in a non-covid year or a non-pandemic year tennis players are literally touring 
almost every part of the globe except Antarctica from January to December. There is a very small window. They've gotten better with it over the years, but there's a small window, maybe a couple weeks in December, depending on how each player schedules their own season or what tournaments they want to go to. They can even they can even have a little bit of a long a longer layoff that starts in November to December. But traditionally there are tournaments <laughs> almost every month of the year. If and I'm I'm not even being facetious or exaggerating. There's a tennis tournament almost every month. You can find one in every part of the world on some part of the world from January to December. Hence why it's called a tour because tennis players, professional tennis players are always on tour. So anyway, the more you know. <laughs> File that under things Miles taught you about tennis. There's no off season and they'll be out here sweating, hitting the ball from January to December. <laughs> anyway, with it being January, and with it being a January in 2021, on the cusp of what was a crazy 2020, some changes have been made to the calendar, and the traditional tennis calendar does not look full to the brim with tennis in Australia, so to speak, at the very top of the year. Things are a little bit different, but, you know, everything considered, the WTA and the ATP have come together to release new schedules from... January up until middle February for about the first seven weeks of the year and you know some tennis is better than no tennis at all like I'm very happy to see that there is a calendar however the calendar is you know it's skimpy (laughs) but I mean pause side sidebar I'm so tired of saying the word COVID like I know I'm I'm, I I personally am being diligent or trying my best to kind of you know remain positive and all that stuff but just dropping a little bit of COVID in every conversation I have is getting annoying. (laughs) I know I can't be the only person that feels that way, but I feel like I have to enter COVID in every conversation, every situation I bring up. But needless to say, um, here we are. And the tours have been, the, excuse me, the calendars have been released for the tours, the Australian open, which is the grand slam that starts the year in January in Melbourne, Australia is set to start in February. The dates are, the dates are February 8th to the 21st. That is set in stone. Well, set in stone as it can be in a very (laughs) topsy turvy year, but we expect the Australian open to begin on February 8th. And in the meantime, in the lead up, I should say, there are going to be some tournaments for the women at the Abu Dhabi WTA Women's Tennis Open. Now, that tournament um, is actually traditionally a exhibition event, meaning that there is no like ranking points. There's money involved, obviously, because tennis players are out there playing for free. <laughs> but there's no ranking points. You can't become like number one in the world or anything like that from playing. It's just strictly for entertainment. So exhibition equals entertainment when it comes to tennis. And I think that is what it means in every sport, but I'm just, I'm just trying to help y'all along that listen to my tennis part of the podcast and I have no idea what I'm talking about because I know tennis jargon and language can be, you know, <laughs> daunting. <laughs> anyway, that tournament will begin in Abu Dhabi, which is in the UAE. A lot of y'all have always said, or not a lot of y'all, but people have always, you know, mentioned and it's a very popular spot in the Middle East, uh, and I'm speaking of Dubai, not specifically Abu Dhabi, but everywhere I look on my Instagram, people are like trying to tag Dubai or trying to tag Dubai or going to Dubai and blase blase. So here's your wish. <laughs> they heard you, and now they are putting some official sanctioned on the actual WTA calendar tennis in Dubai. And wait, you know what? Let me backtrack because I'm getting ahead of myself. Tennis 
on the men's and the women's tour actually has had a pretty decent um, showing and appearance in the Middle East. There are tournaments in Dubai and Doha, and actually Dubai and Doha are going to host several of the tournaments that lead up to the Australian Open. So a big chunk of the Middle East is actually helping prep the down under or prep prep for down under tennis because with this coronavirus being the way it is we definitely have to quarantine bubble so to speak so the powers that be on the atp tour and the wta tour basically had to power their minds together to figure out how can we get as many players in the same region of the world if not the same exact place to you know quarantine them for a little bit have them play tennis and then move on to the next juncture so i think that's what they're going to try to do in january but as i look at this calendar (laughs) i already mentioned that the women are going to be starting their tournament or starting their season off january 5th at the abu dhabi wta women's tournament in the middle east the men however take a small deviant from that a little bit so on january 5th they have well starting january 5th there are two tournaments one in delray beach florida which has a long standing tournament it's i think it's been around for 20 something years so there's a um a bunch of history there but i just can't quite understand how a tennis tournament in florida united states worked its way into the schedule i mean yay like one one of my hands is like yay tennis other one is just like <laughs> isn't florida a hot spot like people are walking around without masks at least in my mind and i know i'm not just making that up but florida is a hot spot for the coronavirus and it has been a little lenient is what i'm trying to say in regards to trying to combat the spread of this bar vi- this spread of this virus so it's interesting that they were able to sneak in a tennis tournament in delray beach but i'm gonna let them have it Hopefully there is not some, <laughs> hopefully there's not some super spread of this, of this, uh, virus. Cause I, at the end of the day, that is what everyone is trying to do when it comes to holding these tennis tournaments. They are trying to not make them super spreader events so that people <laughs> can turn around and sue or, you know, leave their tournaments in worse ways in which they came. That's that. I don't think that's a goal for anybody. So people are trying to move smartly. That it's just that that tournament in Florida, where the rest of the tournaments are in the Middle East or or in Australia, that raises an eyebrow. But I'm gonna let them have it. <laughs> so there's that tournament in Delray Beach, which is an ATP 250 tournament. Now, when I say ATP 250, I need you to pause and bookmark that because I'm going to briefly explain how. The ATP 250 is relevant in the updating of women's tennis because women's tennis went through a little bit of a rebrand this year, but we're going to get to that. But the second tournament to start the year is actually going to be in Italia, which is in Turkey, again, the Middle East. The men are going to play in Italia. Um, It's a small-ish tournament. Let's see who's actually going to be in that tournament. So in Antalya, I think I may have mispronounced that before. You know, it's just my it's my lack of ATP knowledge showing because, I you know, I keep up with the ATP tournaments and stuff. But the smaller ones, my brain just does not operate the same when it comes to the smaller ATP tournaments to the bigger ones. Anyway, the 2021 Antalya Open actually has drawn some fairly big names to their draw. Um, it's going to include number 10 ranked player Matteo Berrettini from Italy, number 16 
ranked player David Goffin from Belgium and the very popular Italian Fabio Fognini, as well as some other names. Those are going to be the top names and top seeds at the 2021 Antalya Open. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but at Delray Beach, I'm hoping that it's going to be mainly United States players or North American players. And actually, as I look at this, that's actually what it's going to pretty much consist of when it comes to ranked players and players competing at that tournament. It's going to be the Canadian Milos Raonic with the big old serve, the Chilean player, Christian Guerin. A lot of people are kind of sleeping on Christian Guerin, but we'll talk about him. If he plays well, I'll make sure I talk about him on this podcast because he's been having like my eye, my peripheral vision has been on Christian Guerin. So we're going we're gonna to talk about him. Oh, wait, I didn't expect to see his name. <laughs> I'm looking at the singles main draw entrance on my phone right now, y'all. And the name that popped up next is John Isner. John Isner is on my shit list. Stay tuned. I have a whole segment. Well, I'm not going to drag him too much, but he's on my shit list. And I will explain why. But apparently, or allegedly, or whatever, he's supposed to be playing at this tournament. And as is Riley Opelka, another American player and... A really, really slept on Polish player. I think he has the game to bother some players. And I'm speaking of Hubert Hercash. So that tournament, not huge household names in that tournament in Delray Beach. But best of luck to them again. I hope that tournament does not become a super spreader event in Florida. And I hope they have procedures and protocols in, fam- in, in place because eyebrow raise (laughs) and I don't think I mentioned who's actually going to be my apologies I did not actually mention who's going to be participating in the 2021 Abu Dhabi women's tennis open tournament I forgot to say that sorry so I'm looking at the singles main draw entrance here and we have Sophia Kennan who is actually the reigning Australian Open champion she won the Australian Open in 2020 we have Alina Svitolina from the Ukraine ranked number five we also have number six ranked Karolina Pliskova and number 10 ranked Arena Sabalenka from Belarus, excuse me, Arena Sabalenka from Belarus, who went on a tear at the end of the season. I'm pretty sure I mentioned her at certain parts of the podcast. So that's a pretty good feel. We also have some other players. We have Garbine Mugarutha, Elena Ribakana, Elise Mertens. Oh, this is the, oh, <laughs> you're getting my live reaction, y'all. This is a, this is a nice little list of players. See, this is what I mean. The WTA just, whatever. <laughs> so, also playing in this tournament and you know i do have to say people are are with with the with the flux of what's going on in the world these players can pull out just because you know they may have concerns of their health or people around them they may get exposed but as where i stand now there's a pretty stacked field for this tournament in abu dhabi we also have amanda nisimova who is a rising American young talent. She made the semifinals of the French Open a couple years ago. We have Jennifer Brady, who just made the semifinals in New York at the U.S. Open. She represents United States. She's been playing great tennis. We also have Maria Sakari, or Sakari. I don't know which one she prefers to be called. <laughs> We're gonna go with Sakari today. Um, she just played a great match and actually had a, a, a win not long ago over Serena Williams in New York and gave Serena another tough battle at the U.S. Open in New York. So shout out to her. And she she should be playing this tournament. So that I'm, as I'm looking at it now, like I said, y'all getting my live raw reaction. <laughs> or I'm reading it as I'm talking to y'all. This should be a pretty interesting tournament. We shall see who ends up lifting the tournament in Abu Dhabi. 
On a little bit of a sour note, I did want to mention that one of my favorite tournaments, the only tennis tournament or professional tennis tournament I've had the privilege to go to in Indian Wells, California. Shout out to Indian Wells, Palm Springs, Coachella Valley area. They have unfortunately postponed their tournament for the second time um, in two years. If you remember, I go back to 2020 in March when this COVID was officially declared, or right before it was officially declared, Indian Wells was the first major tennis tournament to cancel or close its doors due to concern about the coronavirus and here we are again almost 12 months later and they are postponing their dates they're not officially saying that they're canceling it but depending on how things go in you know the next couple of months and whatnot we don't know if they're actually going to make space for this tournament to be held in california because it is a huge tournament it's one of the biggest ones you can win outside of the four grand slams and it you know it requires a a, a substantial two-week period on the tennis tour calendar so we shall see how that goes but as of right now it doesn't look too good for indian wells so that's a little bit of a sour news but in update and something to make you possibly smile i guess there is a new year new wta attitude going on at the headquarters and the wta the women's tennis association has officially changed their tournament naming system so they are going through a little bit of a rebrand not a little bit they're going through a rebrand so they are relabeling the name of their main events on their calendar starting this year and they are as follows. They are the WTA 1000, WTA 500, WTA 250, and WTA 125 tournaments. Just as on the men's side, the ATP tournaments, they have Masters 1000s, ATP 500s, and ATP 250s. So they've shifted their naming system to be more in line with the ATP just because, <laughs> I don't want to say just because, but in 2020, there were there was talk at the very top of tennis i mean even roger federer brought it up as far as emerging the tours i personally um i see the benefit like i mean i i definitely see where it could be beneficial that the men's and the women's tennis players that play professionally play under one big umbrella but that's kind of when i when i say that out loud i just i guess the the reaction i go to is the nba and wnba like everybody like we all know the WNBA and the NBA are are professional basketball players like we know that but when I, I can't I can't picture them merging and I, that's what the WTA and ATP are trying to do which sounds wonderful in theory but but again I just can't see how them actually merging as one all under one umbrella kind of tour would work but that's just me. Some people might have different opinions, but I do think that them renaming their tournaments, because at one point they had a weird naming system on the WTA. Like I believe it started back in 2009 where they named their biggest tournaments, the ones that had the most ranking points, the ones that gave away the most prize money. They named them mandatory tournaments, which I thought was odd, but they did that in 2009 and no one told them otherwise well i mean i was the one saying it was weird <laughs> i never liked the fact that they were calling their tournaments wta mandatory titles like don't even have a ring to it it has no ring to it but that's what they went with and thank god that they have decided to change that and rebrand and make it a little bit simpler so basically essentially if you hear 1000 that means it is <laughs> 
a big ass tournament. <laughs> if you hear 500, that means it's like a level below that. And if you hear 250, it's a level below that. So there you go. See, it's easy to follow along. Not all that mandatory and international and premier. Easy. 1,500, 250. Boom. There you go. <laughs> easy. Easy peasy. Shout out to WTA. And then also, they actually have released a new logo to kind of, you know, fall in suit with their rebrand. So for a couple of years, the WTA logo actually was just the letters WTA. And they've worked those those letters into that. But they actually are bringing back the silhouette of a female tennis player basically hitting her serve. So they've actually worked with... I'm reading here. <laughs> I'm reading here that they worked on this new logo of a silhouette for almost two years now you know kudos to the wta for rebranding i'm all about a rebrand i think it's good to kind of you know go back to the drawing board and see where you can improve and better market yourself and all that stuff but <laughs> this does not look like they spent two years putting their brains together trying to figure out how we're going to rebrand it just looks like they went to microsoft office one day and pressed click 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 and that's what they got you know <laughs> i guess some work is better than no work but just reading this article, um, and I'll, I'll link the article in the podcast description so you can follow along and understand what I'm talking about. But ugh, two years for that logo? I mean, you know, hey, hey, whoever did it, shout out to you. I'm sure you got you got paid a nice salary or <laughs> you got got a nice check to come up with that silhouette. Anyway, so that just about wraps up what I have for you guys in today's episode as far as tennis updates. And now I definitely want to segue into the conversation I had with a really good friend of mine, Francis Lee Baker, who is a digital content creator. You can, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling while I'm saying this because I'm, I'm really proud of him. <laughs> Francis is a digital content creator, model, influencer, photographer, and fashion and lifestyle blogger. And him and I had a really good conversation about kind of how he got started in this industry and what his goals are and pretty much everything in between. So I want you guys to take a listen to that. Stay tuned to the episode and let me know what you think. A couple of notes. There may be, and I'm saying this. So you guys bear with me. But at this point, <laughs> y'all already know what's up. <laughs> I know it's a new year and I know that, you know, we're, we're supposed to be optimistic, but we kind of, we having conversations on Zoom over here, okay? Francis lives in Atlanta. I'm not. So we got to have this conversation via Zoom. And sometimes Zoom is just not your best friend. I, 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 I can't I can't stress that enough. Zoom is great, but it's not your best friend. It's not like, it's like your over there friend. Wasn't that like a Real, House of, Real Housewives of Atlanta term? An over there friend? Who said that? <laughs> Who said that they were over there friend? I can't I can't remember, but I know I remember that term in some show I watched. Anyway, um that was just a a disclosure or a <laughs> a disclaimer, if you will. Not disclosure, disclaimer. Miles, get with the program, Miles, get with the program. <laughs> if you hear anything strange in the audio, that's all it is and look past it and if you look past it i'd appreciate it <laughs> anyway on to the conversation with me and francis lee baker enjoy so in the spirit of what i just dropped on instagram um and if you're not following me listeners um uh, make sure you do i'll probably put my instagram in the podcast description and i also put francis's podcast description <laughs> i also put po i also put francis is it francis's or Francis is. 
Francis's. <laughs> I think you said it correct. Either way, either way, they they know what you're talking about. I also put Francis's Instagram uh, information and all of his information in the podcast description. Um, but I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to about when it comes to social media influencing and Instagram and blogging and all that stuff because. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Francis, but this is what I know of you, that you are a digital content creator, a model, influencer, photographer, and a fashion and lifestyle blogger. So that is, those are the titles I think that fit and describe you the most. Would that be accurate? <laughs> yeah, like I, I have to do better about, um, I guess just owning like the stuff that I do like I have a lot that I do I have a lot to be proud of and I don't like shout it as much as I I do like I am a little too humble um but yeah I do all of that but you wear different hats and sometimes you know sometimes you got to flex when you got that hat on not like obnoxiously or braggadociously but you know you do stuff people are aware of people are aware of you and they're influenced by you no pun intended and you know, they get good vibes from you. I mean, me and you met on Instagram. I believe mm -hmm. it was Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I like, I mean, just from a personal perspective, you felt like somebody that I would be able to just kind of connect with. And we felt like we had certain, it, it just felt like we had certain journeys that we walked together outside of just being two black men, you know? It just, I just feel like, oh, Francis dresses nice. And Francis, you know, he puts positive stuff out there and he seems like a real person that isn't just like heavily edited or anything like that, you know? So that's why I think that we got along and I know our connection got better when we were both in Atlanta at the same time. I no longer live in Atlanta, unfortunately, but you do. Speaking of where you live, give the listeners kind of where you started, like where you're from and how you knew that you were going to be in more creative roles in the world. So kind of give us that backstory of how you got to Atlanta or catch us up. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess I'll try to like be brief because I feel like I can like, I can go on and on like tracing it back. But like, I'd say um, the beginning of it would just be like, my mom always had like an interest in fashion. Like she wanted to model but was um, just short. So that, that wasn't like an option for her. Because um, I feel like modeling is very, very um, particular as far as like what you look like, especially like height, you know, body type, like all of that. Like that's how it was, um, you know, I guess like when she was trying to do that. Um, so that didn't work out for her. And then that was something that she wanted to get like my sister in, but that didn't work out for my sister as well. Um, so I just feel like because my mom was like interested in it, like I also had like developed an interest in fashion somehow. Um, so I just remember like we would watch like different shows that would come out, like America's Next Top Model, um, Project One Way, um, all of those like America's different Next shows. Top Model was such a good show, and I I, I relate. That goes back to our connection. Like that was the first time. No, I don't know if it was the first time, but that was a time I distinctly remember being interested in other you know because i grew up kind of like a jock ish or like i was very active and i mean i'm from rural louisiana so seeing like fashion fashion and stuff on on tv was interesting but that was i, I get what you mean by like america's next time model because i can't 
on the top of my head right now, I can't think of a show that was more impactful in like me seeing people do fashion, you know? Yeah, no, like, like Tyra I said, Banks, Natara Banks being who she is and being on a platform that was more relatable because we, at least in my mind, she was always like just super fashion mega model. And for mm-hmm. her to do reality television and try to like bring somebody up, it kind of made her more relatable. But then Tyra Banks is also very weird. I mean, you know, <laughs> not that she's weird, but I, she just does stuff that makes me kind of raise my eyebrow now, <laughs> like in 2020. I'm just like, what is she doing? But right. that's, you know, there. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. But yeah, like a lot of those shows are kind of, like my mom and then a lot of like the stuff that I would see on TV was like my first like inter- introduction to fashion. And I remember watching a America's Next Top Model and I'm like deep down I, I'm like you know these girls are like living the life I know men do this as well I low-key like would love to do this but um that just like was not an option um because I, I never really well not even in Kentucky like I just like I'm like I'm not cute like I don't have an interesting face I'm not like I'm not cute um I don't have like that body type like yeah, we don't, modeling we don't is just yeah, I was like, modeling is just not an option. So it wasn't even anything like I even like gave any thought to. But I mean, I still like had an interest in fashion. So it's just like, I want to work in this industry in some type of capacity. I just don't know what that looks like. Um, so as I got, like watched like more and more shows, um, I began to like realize that like styling was something that I was in. Um, but as far as like living in Kentucky and then like school as well, um, I studied fashion merchandising, but it was more so like the business side of fashion rather mm-hmm. than like the creative side of it. Um, so blogging like became my outlet for that. Um, I started like blogging in high school and then really just did it off and on all through high school and all through college, but um, never really like took it all that seriously. Um, like I did it, but I didn't like put you know what, like, I would say, like, I did it. I just didn't have, like, the creativity to, like, really make it, like, take off. Like, I, I wrote now, a lot. That, that you think you have now? Yeah, I'm, like, way more, I'm more of a content creator than I was back then. Like, back then, I, I would say I was more of, like, a writer. Um, so now, so like I said, like, yeah, I, I blogged off and on, like, through high school and college. And then after college, I started meeting people that, like, blogged full time. And I started to get exposed to like what that actually like looks like and what your content is supposed to look like. And um, finally, like I just realized I I bit the bullet and I'm like, you know, this is something that like I want to do. I feel like I have like the the skill to do it. So I'm just going to try to like learn more and make it work. And that's kind of just like what happened. Um, I remember talking to um, a lady like in my hometown and she was like, you know, I know you want to do this. I like, I think that you have what it takes to do it. So just like do what you can with what you've got. And that's something that's always kind of like stuck with me. So I, I you think know, would take an Arthur Ashe quote or like a something from an Arthur Ashe quote just to make it relate to tennis. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have no idea, but I mean, it's, it's something that's like stuck with me. So it's like, I knew my content and like my pictures wouldn't look like what I saw, but I was like, I'm just going to try to, this is all I got, you know? So this mm-hmm. is like the best that I, I can do. And um, so I started with like posting like little flat legs. I go ahead and put like an outfit together and post that on Instagram. And then- and this is Instagram way back in like early 2010s? 
like, yeah so like probably oh no actually like mid 2015 gotcha 2014 2015 yeah, yeah instagram in 2015 and instagram now are two different ball games for sure oh yeah especially yeah. with that stupid update they just made where they mm-hmm. are putting emphasis on reels and stuff but let's need to hear no there <laughs> but yeah so i started with that um just posting flat lays and then i'm like you know the stuff that's really doing well are people wearing their clothes so i was like i'll just buy a tripod add a little point and shoot camera um so i started using that and then I realized, I'm like, okay, this still ain't really like looking like what I want want it to. I'm like, I like I like this, but I know it can be better. Um, so I finally bought like a DSLR. And just like as time like went on, it was like I would produce content and I'm like, this is cool, but I could like push it a little bit further. And as I did that, like I just got better and better and better. And um, at some point, like, brands that like I I was purchasing from or even like you know news outlets like started kind of like noticing my content and like you know reposting it or sharing or like sending me things to like uh to post or sponsoring post and um yeah I kind of just like stuck with it until it got to a point where it's like now I kind of have like I have regular sponsorships I have uh regular clients that I work with um it's even led to me like signing a modeling contract um yeah, like I mean, it's, it's the people want to know modeling contract with who. <laughs> so I originally signed with um, Role Models Management. Um, even that is like a, a funny story. I I remember like I'm like really into skincare, so I, I use like a mask and I was like I want to like I just want to post a selfie, and I kind of like went back and forth with it. I'm like, nah, like this ain't gonna be good on the feed. Like you know, you got to make sure your content is more editorial, like whatever. Uh, I was like, no, nah, like you look good. Let's just and all that stuff and goes with the flow. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, like all of those things. It's like you got to make sure, like you know, you you're posting with intention and strategy. Um, but I went ahead and posted it anyway. And ironically, um, my agent, which I'm signed to, like role models management, she saw that and she was like, hey, like, do you have any like representation? Like, you know, we see what you're doing on your feed. We love your look. Um, if you don't have an agent right now, we'd love to sign you. Um, so I signed with like role models management. I think it was 2019. And then so it was um, it was that organic and based off of Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the thing. Like I, I didn't have a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like I was um, trying to be um, scouted or anything like that. Like they randomly just like stumbled. You on. were just doing you and they liked it. <laughs> Yeah, um, just like posting organically. Like a lot of people ask, like, you know, how did you get into like blogging or how did you get into modeling? That is like, a very popular question in my DMs. And I, and what you just said is a popular answer to it. I just, when modeling, I don't want to say it fell in my lap, but it kind of did. It, it, it just happened based off of what I was already doing and things I liked to see on my Instagram and things that I felt like weren't on Instagram that I wanted to provide, if that makes any sense. So a mixture of all of that poured out or a mixture of all of that gave me an opportunity to model and be signed to an agency. So it's nice to hear that my story isn't that unique, you know? Right, no, I think that, um, I think that that ends up kind of happening like for a lot of the people, it's kind of like falls into your lap, um, which it's, it's, 
it's been like I guess like a full circle moment because like I talked in the beginning like I remember watching America's Next Top Model and immediately like writing that off because it's like you know nobody wants someone that looks like me out there you know Mm -hmm. and so that was what like I don't even know 1990 something 2000 something I don't even know and then then look at us now like I mean I say us even though you're definitely the more popular of us or you're definitely the more popular of us too and have the bigger following you are you definitely are you should own it (laughs) um I mean we are I mean for me you were the first person to like put even the sprout in my in my vision like on Instagram and in my brain that I could potentially model or do something outside of what I've been conditioned to think I could do, which is very much so nine to five office, um, kind of more traditional country stuff. Not to say that mm-hmm. people out of the country can't do artistic or creative things, but I remember just looking at you and being like, I could do this or like, this is something that is attainable. So speaking of attainable, this is your time to name drop a little bit because you were, we were talking about catching up and we were talking about your whole journey. What do you have on your plate or what is like a recent project that you just uh, wrapped or just dropped? Um, So I have been doing a lot of work with Express recently. Like I've worked, I've had an opportunity to work with like a lot of brands, but um, Express has like been the brand that I have done the most with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I, they recently launched like a line of like body care and skincare. And um, so I like, I work under a company called um reward style um so like i'd say what 2014 2015 i don't know when they launched but um it was really like they called the company like to know it so essentially like you would like a photo on instagram and then liking that photo would send an email um to your inbox with like all of the products featured in that post so that's why i was called like to know instagram before like like to know it i think i have yeah so um I do like a lot of like work with Express like already as it is, but um, under this company, they reached out to me and said, you know, Express is launching, um, you know, a line of like body care products and skincare products. So we'd love to have you like on board because I guess, I guess it makes sense to me. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it should be a huge deal to anyone, but it's a huge deal to me because Express is a I know it's national. Is it global? Can you find an Express store like anywhere in the globe or? Other than the United States, I think it is. I'm pretty sure you can you can find an express in like Europe or something, right? I'm not sure. Um, let's just go I with you. I... <laughs> let's go with you. Let's call. Let's, call sure. let's say that you're working with a global brand, and it's sure. Express has a certain place in my heart. Not currently because I I found, and this is no shade to Express. It's just you know every brand or every clothing company is not going to be my personal fit. But back in the day when I was in high school and like a lot more fit, <laughs> I used to love an express polo. I mean, I I think I've given a couple away either to Goodwill or, or, or people, actual people, but I used to love an express polo. So to know someone that works with express in like their media campaigns and just working with them outside of like no shade to 
express cashiers, but like, you know, working with the company in their product realm is really cool because like I said, express is a global brand. I, I don't shop there as much just because I mean, I don't want to rag on express <laughs> and this probably isn't the perfect time to rag on express. I just know that I personally don't find my niche of clothing in express at this current moment in the world, but there are people that do. So the fact that you get to work with them and, and just keeping it 100, I didn't see a lot of representation from express from people that look like you and I like six foot tall plus black men, you know, when I think of Express, I don't think of a six foot tall black man that has love handles or, you know, that doesn't have a six pack. Because when I think about Express, I think about a six pack or like a, a a guy walking down the street in Europe. You know, you know, those those cheesy colognes, you know, where yeah. they're like spraying their stuff or like spraying their abs or something like that. That's what I think about with Express. So it, it just gives me motivation and inspiration to see them moving in a different direction and just trying to be more inclusive. Yeah, no, that was like, you said something earlier that I wanted to touch on. And I think that this is like a good opportunity as well. Um, Like you talked about like kind of seeing like some of the things that I posted and just how that kind of inspired you. Mm -hmm. And for me, one thing that's been like a little bit difficult is that like, as far as like fashion and stuff goes, like I've always been the heaviest person around me. But which is crazy, because you are not the heaviest person I know by any right. way, shape or form, which is crazy. Right. So yeah, I'm like, I just have the, this mindset of like, just being like, I'm the heaviest person like around. Like I, you know, I was like, my family is like super athletic. So I, and I wasn't, so I was always like bigger. Um, and then, you know, going through school and stuff, like I still was like kind of like the biggest somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I like, it's, it's funny. Like a lot of times I feel like, I feel like like the light skin of the the big and tall like movement because it's like to me I still fall into that category but like I also have um a lot of privileges because I am like on the smaller like end of the spectrum so like for example like you're like an extra large not a 3x Right. So like gotcha. being able to like work with like brands like Express, like there isn't like an extensive um mm-hmm. size they don't have a, they have what is the word? Like they call it extended sizes. Um, but I've you know who else has worked with uh Express? Zach Nico. He's worked with Express and like behind the scenes, he's told me some stuff that makes me believe that at one point they definitely were fibbing a little bit when it comes to extended sizes because a a size forty waist isn't necessarily extended nor is a double xl but right that's neither here nor there i guess (laughs) i mean i think like the problem is is just like i think even though fashion is like still like is a lot more progressive than it was before it still has a long way to go go because it's just like i think fashion is the one that really like the fashion industry is the one that kind of like sets the Mm -hmm. um the tone sets the tone and sets like the standard so it's mm-hmm. like someone like myself is just like to me i'm average size you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i'm not like i'm not really like a big and tall guy but at the same time like if i were going to like a casting you I'm would be the big be, and tall guy i'm gonna yeah. be the big and tall guy you know so it's like you you kind of have to like go with what the fashion industry is like offering um so but i guess like to say, like the other point that i wanted to like touch on is that um, it's still important, like that representation 
and is like very still much important. so very much so because you never know like what people are getting like from seeing you you know what i mean like i remember um this is why i kind of wanted to like go in like that big and tall route because it's just like i always have like been a little bit more heavy set um so i remember like I don't that, know if- though, just so we're clear just so listeners are clear like there's a out of the millions and millions of people in the world there are, are a lot of people that are big and people that like bigger people just oh saying. yeah just yeah saying. we but not no. our dms are not like sahara dry over here mine are <laughs> no they're not stop they lying to people they're not they are. they're not they're extra dry i don't believe that oh uh, no they they definitely are. i'm not i'm not lying mm-hmm. um but no i was gonna say that um I remember, I don't know if it was GQ, I don't know who post, posted about it, but it was just like talking about like, you know, body positivity, like for men and like the big and tall movement, like becoming a thing. And I, I, I identified with that. I was like, that's that's where I fit in. Like, I don't, I'm not like, I don't have abs. I'm not like the tallest, I, you know, like I'm not all of these like things. We're not in the gym five days a week, you know, swallowing protein powder and work uh, pre-workout and stuff. It's just I, not my ministry. No shade to anybody that does that. It's just not my ministry. Right. So it's just like, to me, like, that's where I identified. And I saw, like, a lot of guys, I'm like, you know, um, like, I, I finally started to kind of, like, see myself. And now I've kind of, like, gotten to know some of them. And some of them, like, you know, like, I look at their bodies and I'm like, you know, um, like, yeah, their body, like, looks better than mine or, like, just all of these, like, different thoughts. But then at the same time, it's like, I'm still smaller than them. Um, so I guess I say that to say that, like, again, you really don't know, like, what people see or how your posts are going to, like, be perceived. Um, like, I may, like, think one way about, like, my body, but other people may not, like, think the same thing. But it may well, be beneficial I, I, I to some this, people. I said this literally in real life, like, not that long ago, maybe even today. Like, you could be the prettiest peach in all of Georgia you know like you could be the most succulent looking peach in the world not even just Georgia there's going to be somebody that's that just doesn't like peaches and you just have to be okay with the fact that you're not everyone's brightest peach or you're not like the as cliche as it is you're not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay some people take that and run with it and they just choose to be like abrasive and like no one (laughs) wants to enjoy their cup of tea but on the other side of that, you kind of just have to be you and the people that or the people that are going to be inspired or the ones that are going to be inspired and the ones that are going to follow you in your journey are going to be those people. And they're going to be other people that choose not to. And you have to respect those that don't and embrace the ones that do follow your journey. And I think that you do a good job of embracing the people that embrace you. At least, I mean, I mean, granted, I'm speaking to you as somebody that I'm speaking to you as a podcast host and not as a friend, but if I, if I wasn't your friend, like if I, if I didn't just have your number or could text you, I would still be like, this is a really good guy. You know, granted <laughs> looks can be deceiving, especially on Instagram because half of the shit we see is not real. Right. However, I would just take a bet on you and be like, he would be somebody I could reach out to for genuine questions. In fact, that that's probably how we even met. I'm pretty sure I asked like either a skincare a skincare question or like a styling question, and it just kind of evolved to where it is now. You know? 
But speaking, or I guess relating to your posts and how people perceive them, what are some other brands that you have worked with besides Express? Because I know you've worked with more than Express. <laughs> yeah, so like I've I've worked with Coach, I've worked with ASOS, um, I've worked with um, Reebok, I've worked with Feli. Actually, it may not have been Reebok. It actually was, I think, Feli. Um, I've worked with Banana Shout Republic. Yeah, I love I love their like they've kept their swag if that makes any sense. I take that back. I have worked with Reebok. <laughs> um, yeah, I've worked with um, who else? I've worked with Kenneth Cole, um, J.C. Penney. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've had an opportunity to like work with a lot of brands, and it's brands that like to me. What's important. I like to look at, you know, what I do as if I were like editing a magazine. So it's just like, I want to, I want to advertise like for brands um, that I actually support and love. So it's genuine. Um, To me, that's important. Um, I think a lot of people, um, you can kind of get blinded by like the money or like the, the, the exposure or whatever, and begin to like post about things that like, are not authentic so to me that's like they don't important. actually serve you you know i mean and even for myself i can't even lie i i can't think of like brands off the top of my head but there have definitely been things that like um were not authentic but i still kind of posted about it just because of the money mm-hmm. um you know I mean, but I, I can be real people, about that no one, that no one is exempt to doing something a little bit strange for a piece of change <laughs> no one no one is exempt from that i mean people i mean we gotta eat we gotta eat so i mean yeah. there's a fine line you have to kind of ride from being somebody that kind of always does something authentic and then the person that keeps their lights on so that they can be authentic does that make sense you know like you you can't just your moral high ground all although it should be your personal moral high ground sometimes you gotta shift a little bit to make sure that you are providing for yourself you know in order in order to put yourself in another situation to get another representation or another another uh relationship with the brand that is more authentic does that make sense oh yeah that's like at least in my mind it does (laughs) no like that's that's exactly like what i did like everything that i've done up until this point has been very strategic um and that's why i don't know like i I feel like i can even like brag on that because it's just like a lot of people um I guess this is like a couple things like so for one um I'm thankful that I'm no longer at a point where like I have to take every opportunity that like is thrown at me like I can be picky and choosy like you know what's the budget look like that just doesn't align with you yeah yeah like I either like don't have time for it the budget ain't looking right or I don't like that product like I don't have I don't have to like do it I think before it was kind of like well you know, I do want to like build up a portfolio, like whatever, like, or I want the money or I want that product or whatever. So you kind of like bend a little bit more, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm no longer at that point. And then two, um, I'm proud of myself for like sticking to like my gut and conducting business the way that I did. Because I remember like kind of when I got started, a lot of people would be like, don't be working for free, you know, like, see what the budget's looking like, or do this or do that. And those same people that like do that, 
you don't talk you don't see them with the nice i don't know what they're up to anymore instagram <laughs> yeah i don't know what they're up to I mean, anymore but, but no, I'm over real, here. real life real life you've given me like we've talked you've given me tips on how to respond to certain brands and how to conduct myself in emails and stuff like that um and it's it's a skill that i think people fall on a spectrum of of being really good at or really shitty at <laughs> and it's just it's it, it it's how you get ahead you know I mean, that, like, I think the more important thing is just, like, be strategic. Yeah, I mean, like, how you respond to brands is, like, very important. But you also have to be very strategic about how you, who, and how you, like, conduct business. Um, So, like I said, like, a lot of people were like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't post unless there's a check involved with it. Um, And I. But do you you really want to be that person, like, uh, a check vulture or something like that, you know? Um, no, you do not, because at some point, don't nobody want to work with you. Um, so like I said, like I, I did, I paid my dues. Like I went in and like, you know, I took my, I took my free clothes and posted them and went on about my business. And now I'm over here, you know, posted about my free clothes and, you know, depositing my checks. Goals. So, um, cause I'm just money, getting free clothes. That's what I'm saying. Like the, <laughs> the money will come, but it's just like, you got to. People are not looking at like, yes, this is you, you are, a, you know, you're a business, you have to like, you know, you're putting out money or time or like whatever you want to be compensated like properly for it. But you also got to like bring some value to the company. So like, don't be charging companies like, you know, however much if you're not really like um, hitting those like KPIs, you're not really like bringing no revenue in. If you can't guarantee that, Take your free clothes and go. Well, you know what? Let's bring it back a little bit because we should probably identify for people that don't know or are confused a little bit what is an influencer Mm -hmm. um, and kind of how that role has created itself as an avenue for Instagram and just for content creators or just creatives in general to put their brand out there and put their face out there and then also receive residuals like clothes or you know actual money so what would you say is what will be your definition of an influencer or a, a, um i guess a content creator is a little bit different but in general what would you say is your definition of an influencer or a social media influencer i should say i would say an influencer is going to be anyone that is gonna um have an effect on people's buying decisions simple as that so anybody like that's going to be celebrities that's going to be um actors like even just like random people on instagram like if you have an effect on how people are spending their money you're an influencer so me posting my savage fenty onesie is having an effect on the way somebody buys or may potentially buy it (laughs) yeah i think that's kind of cool when i think about it like that I just did for for some reason I hold a little bit of a negative connotation to the word influencer just because it's been so inflated and everybody wants to think that they're like a public figure or a content creator and then there are people that are genuinely good at that but I think there are some people that are in it for I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot that's like amazing about it. For me, it's opened a lot of doors that I didn't have access to. Um, and it's also allowed me to be like self-made in a sense. Um, so 
you know, like coming from Kentucky, there weren't a lot of opportunities to pursue fashion outside of like retail management. Um, so becoming like an influencer has given me an opportunity to um, work with some of my favorite brands, um, attend fashion week. Um, In New York? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was yeah, um, you know, I I don't have to, like, things that I would, like, normally spend money on, brands are willing to, like, give to me. Like cologne um, and fun stuff like that. We love smelling mm-hmm. good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, pretty much anything that you're going to have to, like, spend money on, there is a way to, like, monetize that um, and influence it, I guess, like, in a way. Because um, it's, like business like everybody needs someone to like market you know and influencing is one of the cheapest ways to do it so um i think that there's like a huge benefit not only like for influencers like we we benefit a lot from it but i think it's a huge benefit for brands as well because it's it's a cheap way to um, market their products or services one of the benefits i see is that not only are you providing income for yourself but you're also building a brand for yourself and kind of in a way becoming a commodity so to speak you know do you ever feel do you ever, do you ever feel like you yourself are providing a certain level of entertainment i guess you can say not that you're like an entertainer but you are the you know you you promoting the product in a way you become a product if you follow what i'm saying you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, that's what I mean, like, as far as like being self-made, um, there are a lot of people that they don't have to go nowhere, like, they don't have to rely on anyone else but themselves to, like, make money, and, and that's, like, the most rewarding, like, like, feeling. This pandemic was just, like, <laughs> normal business for them, because they already were working from home, or, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly, so it's, like, um, being able to work for yourself is such a, a rewarding um achievement because there's nothing I I wouldn't say like there's nothing worse I don't know how else to like put it but it's just like it kind of sucks being subject to um someone else's like time or schedule or their budget or like whatever they can afford um it's nice being able to like have control have power have say and be able to you know set your own schedule or whatever like it's it's just it's amazing being able to work for yourself so there are benefits, obviously, but mm-hmm. what would be some of the different or bad or kind of like obstacles along the way? Just in general, I guess what I'm asking is what are the downsides that people don't necessarily see from influencing on Instagram or just, you know, being a content creator? Because it's very, from my point of view, it's very saturated and mm-hmm. um, sometimes things that are saturated can become like overhyped and people don't really see it for what it authentically is. So what are some of the things that you have experienced that aren't glittery and all gold? Cause that's sometimes I can come off just real glitter and gold. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say like the first thing off the top of my head is that a lot of people don't have respect for influencers. Um, people look at like, Oh, you just took an iPhone picture and posted that. And you know, you want money for it. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of work, there's a lot of creativity that, that goes into being it's influencer. Not just, I'm just speaking for myself. It's not just one. In, it's just it's not just one iPhone picture. It's like <laughs> five hundred, and that's like per outfit, per product that you might be 
endorsing or whatnot. It's not just one little click of a of a button and then boom, you gotta filter it or not necessarily mm-hmm. filter it, but edit it to make it higher quality. You know, it's just not. It's definitely not that easy. But continue, right? <laughs> no, no, you're good. Like, so that's like one part of it. Um, every post is not going to be per um, received the way that you anticipate it. So, like you may spend hours planning an outfit and you may hire a photographer and, you know, just do all these things, like trying to like make this like post. And then you're like, oh shoot, like I'm about to like kill it and drop it. (laughs) And yeah, nobody, like it doesn't, it doesn't really hit or slap. Mm -hmm. So that's like something that can be challenging to kind of like push past. Cause sometimes you think, you know, like is, is what I'm doing like valid? Like it, you know, do people actually like this? But you're also um, fighting the freaking algorithm that these social media apps have now too. And we, the proof is in the pudding. Some those algorithms are not built to, I mean, kind of just like the way the world is, it's just not built to showcase people that look like you and I, you know, you have to, I think you have to play with the system because the algorithm can, the algorithm can work with you or against you. And just, it just depends. I do think that, the more you like big and tall stuff, the more they're going to show big and tall stuff, you know? But in a certain way, Instagram is also going to show you what they want to show you or what they think you should be looking at. Mm, I don't know if I necessarily like agree with that. I think the trends and the things that we see are more so reflective of us as a society or as a culture rather than just like Instagram. Instagram is just showing us what other people like. So a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that like you see, like if you're seeing like smaller bodies, you're seeing like more athletic bodies. That's because that's what people are liking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because Instagram has decided like this is what's beautiful. That's what everybody else has decided is beautiful. And they're kind of like, f- like feeding, like they're seeing like, well, everybody else is liking it. Like there's probably a chance you're going to like it too. Um, so that's like, to me, how like the the algorithm kind of works. It's like, if a hundred people like this post and ten people like this one, they're probably going to show you the one that got a hundred likes. But is but what's the reason why that one got a hundred likes? Because a hundred people like <laughs> well because like it's like I said like it's it's more so um, it's more so reflective of like what the majority like. I think it's that, more. It's I think that can be the problem in a way. Because sometimes the majority likes very vapid things or things oh, yeah. things that don't really provide meaning in comparison to other people who are making content. And I guess, again, this is very subjective. It's not like very matter of fact. But I do think Instagram has a way of showing things that just don't matter. But they, in an Instagram way, it matters, if that makes sense. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying like i think that like it's not necessarily like instagram that has like decided that this matters it's that like it's that other people like the majority of people have decided that it matters and so instagram like is looking at like the numbers and they're like well obviously this is important because everybody liked it um even if it's if it's like something that like you know you or i may look at as trivial or it may not resonate with us yeah <laughs> like other people have liked it and so they're like you're probably gonna like it too because everybody else did well i don't like when they show me the kardashian shit because i don't know 
I don't follow that. Never have. It's not my cup of tea. Yikes. But that's like the thing. It's just like the numbers are there. When it so when it comes to numbers specifically, mm-hmm. like as an influencer yourself, as a content creator, as a as a brand, what numbers do you look at? Like when it, I know there are people always talking about like insights, and I know with you know me starting this podcast, there's terms like analytics and stuff like that. So what numbers do you look at to see how well your posts are doing, or just how well traffic is kind of coming to your blogs and posts and all that stuff? What do you look at? I mean, it all kind of like depends on, I guess it's like different per brand or per, I think things that like often get taken into consideration are like, you know, your follower count, um, engagement, you know, how many, what percentage of your followers are actually engaging with your post. Um, Not only what percentage are engaging, what percentage are um, taking action based off of your post. you know, how how many people did this post reach outside of your network? Um, I know we were talking earlier and I had mentioned like people and numbers as it relates to the election that just took place. It's just astounding how many people there are just in this nation alone. And then when you get on Instagram, obviously you can get on Instagram from almost any country in the world not just America, millions and millions and millions of people can potentially have access to your stuff. It's kind of crazy and wild when I when it really like sits on my brain. Um, and when we look at our numbers, it's kind of just like, it can be two things. For me, it can be like, wow, out of the millions of people, these people decided to engage with my stuff. And that's like the positive way to look at it. Like, you know, they went, out of the, they went out of their day or they decided to support this or engage or like or comment or something like that. On the flip side, when you see your numbers in comparison to stuff like how many people voted for a freaking Donald Trump, it's just like, what can I do better or what am I not doing? Does that ever get to you when you see like, when, when I know when I'm just scrolling or I fall down a YouTube hole, I look at a video and I'm just like, this has 6 million views. Like what is so entertaining about what this person is doing as compared to what I'm doing? Not that I'm intentionally trying to go viral because I know that's very much so a trend, but I think what I am doing or bringing to the table should be showcased more. And it's not, especially when you consider people are racking in millions and millions of views or engagements on stuff. Like for example, when it comes to engagements, I had a tweet recently go viral. And I think I'm pretty sure I said it it was like during the it was during the days that the election was happening. I posted imagine imagine holding Beyonce's mail in ballot. That got over two million something impressions. And although it made like I chuckled while I wrote it, it wasn't something that I put thought and effort into, like an Instagram post or like a photo shoot for you know, Rihanna's savage line with the onesie I just put on on Instagram. It wasn't something that I sat down and, and thought, but that was the one that kind of sparked and everybody related to. So when, I, when moments like that happen, it just makes me, it doesn't necessarily trigger anything. It just makes my mind go like, wow, like I wonder what goes into somebody else's mind to make them want to buy in to whatever it is that you're posting about, you know? And what makes them on the opposite side not want to do that? 
So those are, I think, things that like you have to think about as a creator is just what's gonna transcend. So like you may have intention of like you may have intention of like, you know, posting or saying this one thing, but when it like goes beyond that and it just like kind of resonates even more than like you anticipated. Um, like the whole, you know, like that tweet, for example, like it may not, like your intention wasn't for it to go viral, but it it's like- It was literally just a thought in my head. I was just like, I wonder yeah. what the person holding Beyonce's ballad would feel like if they looked down and saw her name. <laughs> right, but it's just like, those are like the type of things that like you want to try to keep in mind as like an influencer, as a marketer, or as a content creator. Is what is going to not like go viral, but what's going to resonate with people. So like that, for example, like you said, like it, it wasn't like you you posted it with the intention of it going viral. You posted it and it was like, I thought the same thing, <laughs> you know? And that's like, that's the type of, um, that's Me the type too. of content you want to create. <laughs> yeah, like that's the type of content you want to create where people do say like, I was thinking that too, or I just didn't say it, or like, you know what it is? You know, like, it, it goes beyond this intention of you just having this, like, random thought. It's like it it organically, like, resonates with so many people. That's viral content. And that's, like, what every content creator's, like, goal should be. It's Isn't just, like, really posting. every content creator's goal? Because, I, I mean, I know back to what you were saying earlier about, like, how influencers get a bad rep or people mm-hmm. don't respect it. I, I myself, like, before I've gotten, before I got to the position I'm in now, not that I'm in some luxurious, exclusive position as an influencer, I'm very much so a micro-influencer. I kind of... I kind of thought it was a joke. Not that, like, people's... Not that people's ability to market things is a joke, but just the word influencer. It just kind of puts... It trivializes it a little bit not on the other side of it, I have much more respect for people that kind of make it their livelihood. Like, you know who Jack, Jackie Ina is, right? Mm-hmm. He, like, huge influence. And at one point, I thought she was just slapping stuff on her face. But mm-hmm. now, I mean, like, that is her livelihood. So it just makes me, now that I'm in it, and I, you know, I'm, I've started this podcast, and I've had brands reach out to me, and I've kind of had to do the work. I don't I wouldn't say I regret it, but I see the effort that is that is taken into it. However, <laughs> I don't think that every single person has like a work ethic. They kind of just see the glitz go the glitzy glam and like the numbers of it and they're they're trying to get the numbers. That's why I feel like a lot of people's followers and stuff are inflated because they will do anything. You know, like just watching YouTube videos or even scrolling Instagram, there's so many like bots and spam that you know try to get you verified or try to get you more followers it's just all of that feeds into the need to go viral and i think that is what i kind of saw as like you know flimsy or kind of just you know didn't respect people always needing to get more followers or more views i thought that was a little lame but when you on the other side of it and you really are trying to produce something to entertain people or educate people or like me try to get more people involved in talking about tennis from a urban black perspective or just you know talking about talking about their shit on my platform i just i get it you know 
but I do understand when somebody's like, when somebody just kind of blows off, you know, what they are like, oh, my YouTuber and people just say, ha ha ha. Isn't it funny now though? Like when people were doing YouTube in like 09 and 2010, now people really want to put YouTube on their resume, which is, it's not easy, especially when you got multiple cameras and you got to buy that shit and all that stuff. Right. Um, so I guess like a few things, um, like how people kind of trivialize like influencers, it's because people think they can do it. Until so they like, actually can, until they're actually, you know, told to do it or like given opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like you have like Shark Tank and like, mm. um, not even just Shark Tank, but like when people like come up with these like inventions, you're like, mm-hmm. I could have thought of that. Mm-hmm. But it's like you didn't. Or another way to kind of spin that is the the family on family feud <laughs> i know me and my mom sit down and watch it all the time and we're just like how the hell did you not think of that answer it's like sitting at the top of my mind but i guess when you're in it and you're on the set it just doesn't flow the same way you know yeah it's, it's completely different when you're in it. you're actually in it mm-hmm. um and I, I get that like i i think a lot of times like it's easy to kind of like look on the like from the outside looking in just like i could do that well do you but then when that you person personally, attempts it, sorry do you do you personally ever like second guess yourself in the industry like am i doing enough or am i on the right track or did i do this right like what are some of not to dim the conversation, but what are some like self-doubt moments with, that you've had when in regards to like your blogging and your, you know, your influencing? Um, I would say there's a little bit of like an imposter like syndrome, um, especially when it like relates to fashion. Um, fashion is like just one of those industries that like, there are a lot of talented people out there. It's there's a lot for sure there's a lot more people like more talented than me that like don't have a following that like don't really like get noticed but mm-hmm. more talented than me um but are they what makes you think that they're more talented than you it's the creativity um like for example like this is one of the reasons why i wanted to go into like styling rather than like fashion design uh, fashion design is very difficult not only are you like actually having to like make something from scratch um like you know by hand or whatever Mm -hmm. but also coming up with a concept that like is not a copy of what someone else has done something completely original that's being a creative what was the name of that show Heidi Klum was on because I just thought about that when you were describing like how hard it is project one yeah the guy like you know the guy that did that was one of the shows that also made me think about like life as a creative with the guy that would always say make it work that was a great mm-hmm. doesn't this does, does this still come on mm-hmm. there's like a whole new um host like i think carly Kloss is the host uh christian seriano which was one oh, of didn't the, he win at one point mm-hmm. i think he's like a part of the show would you ever want to do that that show oh mm-hmm. no not at all would you i mean there might be space for you maybe not as a designer but I mean, I feel like styling is very important because do you remember when this isn't that long ago, but I, you can, if you just look at her, you can see the evolution. Remember when Megan Thee Stallion first came on the scene and people were just like, she has so much potential, but whoever is styling her is doing a terrible job. Like they always thought she looked like a WWE wrestler. <laughs> 
Yikes. You know, I remember that very vividly. She used to be, <laughs> No, I do too. It, I think it's because of the fact that she's such, literally, no pun intended, she's such a stallion. You can kind of go overboard. But I think whoever she's working with or has worked with in the past has kind of like met her in the middle between being a glamorous female rapper and also standing out but also not doing the absolute most and it coming off cheesy because at one point it was a little cheesy <laughs> yeah um i'm not sure what stylist you're like referring to well i don't like, know that, i don't know i actually know that her and her stylist had like a falling out but i don't i can't think of the stylist's name on top of my head well i just i remember listening to like a podcast and there was a guy that was like styling her and i feel like it was at that time um but i still have so much respect for like for his hustle because he literally um commented on one of her pictures was like hey i'd love to style you and And of course she like yeah well that was like a part of it so like of course she like paid it dust and then he sent her a dm like hey (laughs) no i really got some ideas for you and then they started working together um so it's just like I don't know if it was particularly like him or like that era that people like talk about, but if that is the case, I still have like a real lot of respect, respect like for his hustle because he made it happen um, and picked somebody that was like up and coming and, you know, like it wasn't like he like was a, a big celebrity stylist or anything like that. Literally just like slid in the DMs. Um, <laughs> Who's, who um in keeping with sliding in the dms what are some brands or influencers that you haven't worked with that you would like to work with brands my goal right now um is like to work on getting into like the luxury market like tom ford i know that's one of your favorites yeah so like i i just want to get into like the luxury market like my favorites like i love saint laurent i love tom ford um, you know, Gucci is always great. Fendi. Um, Are you familiar Dior. with that that, uh, that brand of uh, bags everybody's been rocking lately? The Telfar. Telfar. I'm still not hip to it. Oh um, yeah, no, I have one. Yeah, no, um, it's definitely considered luxury. Um, I love like the concept of the brand because it's it is. Um, I think the tagline is like, it's not for you, it's for everyone. Um, so basically just like fashion is about exclusivity, like only 1%, you know, have access to it. So with them, it's like they have, um, the clothing is still very much expensive. Like the shoes back, like the shoes, um, the clothing, like that type of stuff it's it's like it's up there but like the bags they've made affordable because they want everyone to have access to luxury Hmm. um so i i really like respect that and not only is it like affordable luxury it's like from a black designer which makes it 10 times better um are there any black content creators that you would love to partner with um i don't know if i would necessarily like want to partner with but there are definitely some that like i like really admire like um i guess when i kind of first got started like 
I wouldn't even say like, yeah, no, I guess when I first got started, like one of my absolute favorites right now is Jovel Royston. Um, Who? I think it's, it's Joe, Jovel Royston, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, he used to, he used to work for ASOS and then they hired him like as an in, um, influencer for the brand as well. So he was like, he actually worked for the company, like corporate, but then also was like an influencer for them. Mm-hmm. Um and now he's like, they need to they need to contact me. I have somebody to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, you should. I mean, you should even like try to reach out to him. I want it to be organic. <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, that's one of my favorite like creators. I think that his style is just extremely stylish, but also extremely attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, like the stuff that he wears, of course, like there's like some some luxury in there. There's also a lot of stuff that you can just go to the mall and go get. Mm. But the way he pieces it together is just is fire. Um, he's also extremely handsome, so I feel like that also like makes the clothes just work. Like I feel like if he wanted to, he could model. Um, so it's just like not only does he have like a great sense of personal style, but like really just sells the clothes. Um, so I really enjoy him. Um, Devin, I, I can't think of like what Devin's last name is, but Devin on deck is his like, oh, YouTube I do. and Instagram. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. I, I really like his stuff. Devin on deck, yeah. Yeah, I love Devin. Um, I, like, I could see actually see myself like partnering with him. Um, Jovo, I feel like is just someone like I've seen like in passing. I talk to him from time to time. Like if I see him, like I've seen him at Fashion Week, I'll comment on post or like DM him or whatever. But like uh, Devin, like I've actually like sat down with and like talked to, so I could see myself actually like working with him. Like really, really cool. He really is extremely like creative and talented. Mm-hmm. Like the the type of content that he creates is like unlike yeah. Every what time I see a reel, yeah, exactly. Every time I see a reel, I'm just like, how did you <laughs> come up with this? Which is something I'm not good at. Like my reels are just most of what I do is is like a nuanced or what I think is a nuanced version of what somebody else did. I'm not, I'm, I think I'm a creative, but I don't think I'm like pushing the box creative, you know? He that's is. how I feel about myself. He's one of those. Um, yeah, no, that's how I feel about myself. And that's where I want to like begin to kind of like get to is like, okay, we're, we've established like that we have a lane, mm-hmm. but like, let's put it up and push it further. Push it. Well, if you could push it further, this is, this just popped in my head. But it's relevant. Um, I don't know if you've seen. I'm, I'm sure you have. But Michael B. Jordan was named People Magazine's most sex or sexiest man of the year, or alive. Al- sexiest. Oh yeah, sexiest man alive. Do you uh, agree or disagree? Either way, what would you if you had the chance to style him? Not necessarily for like a red carpet event. Like maybe say he was going to like a podcast that was going to be recorded like a really big one how would you put your your influence of style and how you view him how would you merge it to where he comes out looking like the best version of himself because i asked that because i feel like he could use some help sometimes not that he's not that really? he, yeah not that he's always off he's not but sometimes it's off and i think he just misses the mark sometimes. I know I posted a poll on Instagram and people were not really agreeing with people. Well, people were not agreeing with People Magazine that he was the sexiest man alive. His mustache didn't do him any favors, but... <laughs> um, I mean, he's definitely attractive. Um, I feel like every time they pick someone, to me, it's always random. 
I think um, last year, didn't they pick a country singer? And I think this must have been like uh, <laughs> reparations for that. I think <laughs> I think last year they picked like a, a white country singer and everybody was like, who? <laughs> right. No, I know who it was. It's the dude from The Voice. I think. Yes, him, 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 him. Yeah. So, I mean, I can think the thing is like, I just don't keep up with like pop culture enough to even like know what people are doing. So when they pick somebody, I'm just like, this is so random. <laughs> um, so that's that's more so how I feel about it. It's not like he's not attractive. It's just like it feels random to me. I'm like, what is he doing right now? But I don't keep up with like pop culture. Um, but if I were to style him, um, I think that he does a lot of like clean silhouettes. Very. Um, so I would like to kind of like push him outside of that a little bit more and see some more things that like are a little bit like drapey a little bit more flowy maybe even like gender neutral um still very like elegant because i think that his style is very elegant very polished um but just kind of yes 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 so i would like to kind of like push him like a little bit like outside of that just like uh, just a taste of what's his face um the guy from pose uh you know who I'm talking which about. one the guy from no i don't the guy from pose he always gives it a gives it a lot on the red carpet why am i blanking on his name hold on dylan no 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 no. google is too free for me oh are you talking about uh billy billy porter yeah 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 not like don't give him the the i mean obviously i can't even see him in a billy porter original or something or like Mm -hmm. a something made for billy porter but just give him like a a drop (laughs) like a just Mm -hmm. a drop of the billy porter serum i think would be good for him i mean like to me that that's more so like a flamboyant i'm just more so like i want to see maybe a little bit more swag mm. like it's it's very clean cut it's very he's a, um, he's a little preppy i think so mm, yeah like i said like it's very elegant very polished which i like that's right up my alley like a lot of the stuff that he wears i would wear mm-hmm. but um it would be kind of cool just to see like you know a little bit beyond that well when i think of 2021 i think of hopefully a place where covid isn't determining our every move um and with that being said what have you learned like about the industry during the pandemic and what is something you'll probably take with you i guess this is like a three-part question what is something you've learned what is something you would take with you and then um how do you think the industry is going to like move after this because everybody keeps using the word new normal and i do for for certain and i guess in general i do think that there's going to, this is like a time marker in time, like we're living through history, so things are going to change. How do you think the fashion industry influencing is going to change with, you know, post-pandemic, whenever it stops pandemicing, I guess? <laughs> I think that people are dressing more so for their own individual style, mm-hmm. rather than like what's popular, because I think wearing what popular what's popular is about being seen, Mm. and ain't nobody being seen right now so it's kind of like your opportunity to really like hone in on your own individual and personal style and really like define what, what that is and just dress for yourself because ain't nobody seeing you anyway so, that's supposed to be going nowhere that's, that's very fair right so that's one thing <laughs> true, true 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 um so that's one thing and then i think also i think we will have 
our own version of the Roaring Twenties. Yes, uh, the Roaring Twenties are this was basically like a response to like what was going on at that time. So I don't know if it was like a war or the depression or something like that. Well, it's one oh of my those. gosh, I'm pretty sure not that far off. <laughs> Something like, and like whatever, something was, like that. <laughs> yeah, whatever was like going on at that time period, like the Roaring Twenties was like a response to that. Like people were just, you know, dressing differently, partying like, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Got mm-hmm. you. Um, so I think that like once we get to a point where things are safe, where we can kind um, of be out, we really gonna be out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not gonna look like that, of course, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be the 2000s version of that got you got you i think lil nas x is trying to get us there with his um how do i put this and be somewhat politically correct because i don't think he's doing anything bad i just think he's doing stuff that's really out there almost like missy elliott did when she first came on the scene like dancing in trash bags i think not to say that he's going to have the same longevity or impact as missy elliott but i do think he's trying to do something that gets people talking you know like if you you know like with the halloween costume and like some of the some of the like uh the cover art or graphics promoting his singles and stuff like that they're really interesting and out there so maybe we're all gonna be dressing like that maybe he's ahead of his time (laughs) no i think that as far as he goes i think that some people are not used to people being themselves like authentically we weren't and so when we weren't used to Lil Nas X being himself we were just used to you know a guy always dressing in rodeo clothes (laughs) right but I'm just saying like just in general like I think that like when people step outside of the box and like do something that's like different it's like whoa you have the like the nerve to like and not, not, I'm not, this isn't like to, like, this is just, I think, like, in general, like, I think that um, people can kind of get so caught up in, like, the the day-to-day or just, like, doing things, like, very normal or safe, I would say. Mm-hmm. So when somebody, like, is not playing it safe, it's like, what you, doing? you know. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, it kind of, it makes everybody kind of, like, you know, it's it's controversial. Got you. But you, you when it really that? isn't. <laughs> You know, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it just, it gets people like, like, to it me, controversial is not, <laughs> yeah, it's not something that's like bad. It's just, it gets people talking, but it's like, I think that people aren't used to people being like their, their most authentic selves. Cause I think to a certain extent, um, people, and this isn't everybody, but I think a lot of people um, get kind of caught up in like what, other people find attractive or important or whatever get caught up in trends so when someone like steps outside of that and just is like true to themselves and authentic it's like people just talking to talk about it whether it's good or bad whether they have something good or bad to say about it 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 gets people's attention because it's like i ain't doing that like i ain't really Mm. you know out here being Cause it, even like for myself, like I look at like when he dressed up as Nicki Minaj, like that's brave, mm-hmm. putting himself out there. Who's doing that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, whether you like liked it or disliked it, people were talking about it because mm-hmm. he was like being true to himself. He was, and everybody's the stand that he is. Yeah, everybody doesn't have the courage to like be one hundred percent true to themselves. Well, I want you to be true to yourself, and then 
saying that, where do you see yourself uh, in your brand and the Francis Lee Baker account <laughs> and the stands that follow? Where do you see yourself in the future or where do you plan? Um, where do you plan your momentum going long term? Um, I've been thinking about this because I feel like I'm at a like a point where it's like we're established but now like what's next so i'd say like for the next five years it's going to be trying to get to a point where we can this is the like our full-time job like we don't have a, a day job this is the full-time job basically kind of just like fleshing that out like i want to be able to create on a regular basis like i don't want to have to like clock into somebody else's project i want to work on my own you know 24 7. put your own headset um, on not theirs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know i also want to launch some type of product i don't know what that's going to be but i think that that's the next step as well you have a great um, name for it i think if you put your name not on anything but i think if you put francis lee baker on it it'll kick somebody's attention in the target aisle i think but not only that i think i also just want to like live i think that sometimes you can get so caught up into like work and achieving things and making money and like hitting goals and whatever else but it's just like are you are you experiencing everything that you want to experience in life? Mm. And I want to make authentically. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to make some time to do that. I want to you know it's important to um, you know like achieve your goals and success. You know all of that like money, all of that like it's it's important to it allows you to like have some of the those experiences Mm -hmm. but i also want to make sure that i make time to like experience life and not just live it if that makes sense no that Um, makes complete sense you know i want to be able to you know build relationships um i want to find myself i want to you know be able to take care of myself like i want to you know like work you know your passions all of that is cool but um I just, I want to be able to like experience and enjoy life, not just work my way through it. Well, hopefully when you listen back to this in like five or so years, you're like, okay, well, I mean, I'm either doing that or in a better position to do that. And I think, I mean, he, I think he will be, you know, the stuff that comes with like influencing is that's great or whatever, but just being able to like, like, this is one thing people don't know about me. Like, I love like having conversations with people. Like when people like DM me or like comment, like even like yourself, like I love being able to engage with people, you know, showing off whatever, flexing. That's cute. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy that too. But the stuff that really, I really enjoy is being able to like build those the authentic connection. relationships. Yeah. yeah. So um, I hope that like I continue being able to like, connect and share with more people because I wish there was like someone like me when I was growing up because it it would have affected the way like I looked at myself looking back you know you're gonna be that person for someone don't worry that's what I'm saying like so I hope that like not just building a following for the sake of building a following but just like I want to be able to like I want you know the things that like I say and do to kind of like resonate with I want I genuinely like to help people Mm mm-hmm um it comes across that way thank you um so i guess as far as like where people can find me you can find me on instagram at francis lee baker four um i forgot about the four <laughs> yeah so francis I'm, lee baker four spelled exactly yeah, so, as you would think it yes yeah, so i'm the fourth um oh wait you are the fourth 
that's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's like a, I don't, I mean, I don't think I would love being like named exactly like my dad, but when I see the other people, I'm like, that's cool. Like you have that lineage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me there on Instagram and then Twitter um, wouldn't allow the same amount of characters. So it's just <laughs> Francis Lee Baker. Um, but yeah, that's where you can like find me. I'm glad that this worked out, that we could do this. I know we've <laughs> had some technical difficulties, um, but it's all good. It's part of the process. I definitely knew out from the beginning of starting this, I wanted to have you and your perspective on the show. Hopefully when, you know, when you have some more projects dropping, I'll have you back on the show to promote those and talk about what's new, but For the time being, I'm going to let you go. And thanks again. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, of course. Yeah, there'll be a lot more things. I'm being like very secretive right now. I believe it. There's a lot of of stuff in the works. I genuinely believe it. And again, people, (laughs) they should go and follow you on Instagram and Twitter so that they can be the first people to know about the popping shit that you have going on, for sure. You've missed the point entirely. You're missing the point. But no, you're missing my point yeah. entirely. You're missing the point. That wasn't the issue. You're missing the point of what the I'm saying. If you have not seen that clip of Tammy and Evelyn on Basketball Wives, then you are really missing a golden reality television moment. I mean, it happened years ago, but... You, you just got to replay it sometimes because <laughs> Tammy meant what she said and so did Evelyn. And that's just, like I said, that's a reality TV Oscar award winning moment. Anyway, this is the part of the show where I talk about people who are completely missing it, missing the point, going clean over their heads, doing the wrong thing, even when doing the right thing is right there in front of them. This is their part of the show. So <laughs> I'm not going to make it very long. It's actually very quick. And I mentioned his name earlier in the show. <sighs> John Isner, you may know him from the longest ever tennis match played ever in history of the sport. Uh, Back in 2010, he played the longest tennis match in the Guinness Book of World Records against Nicholas Mahu. And the match was upwards of 10 hours stretched between several days at Wimbledon and... That's the bulk of where he gets his fame from. He's an American tennis player, John Isner. If I could just like go my entire life without ever without ever mentioning John Isner's name, I'd probably be in a much better space. I feel like most people would, but he insists, and he's been doing it a lot lately, but he insisted on putting his, I know he wear like a size 16, 17 foot, a, a, a 16, 17 shoe. He got to, cause I wear a size 14. I'm only six, five and he is a smooth six ten. So you do that math. Anyway, he's putting his foot in his mouth and he's doubling down on it. And I know that because the tweet I'm about to refer to, and it's always a tweet y'all. Isn't it always a fucking tweet? People just don't be knowing when to just put their fingers down. I know we've all been there. We feel like we just got something on our chest and we got to put it out. But man, when you got John, when you got, how many followers John Isner got? When you got over 280,000 followers, what you say with those long ass fingers has impact. So John Isner 
took to his lovely Twitter account, and this is still up there if you want to go see it, on the 27th of December. And I've been waiting. I've been like, you know, should I talk about this? Should I not? We're going to talk about it today. He, tw- he twoked, not tweeted, he twoked, and I quote, <laughs> requiring NFL coaches to wear masks on the sidelines is pure cosmetic theater. Makes zero sense. Now, that tweet in and of itself is enough to make me scratch my bald head. I think he's a Georgia Bulldog fan or went to Georgia or is from South Carolina. So I can't like rag on him for being from the South. But God damn it, when he doubled down on his stupid ass tweet, I just wanted to call him uh, stupid. Just less than smart. Just completely less than smart. He went on to say to his tweet, someone replied, everyone should wear a mask, period. You know what his reply was? Brainwashed. His reply was one word, brainwashed, implying that anybody who is wearing a mask to help defend themselves and protect themselves and also protect others from spreading this potentially deadly virus, COVID-19, coronavirus, is somehow brainwashed and under some kind of spell or believing in some kind of propaganda First of all, 300,000 people have died in America from this virus. How can you as an American citizen sit there and type with your ugly, chewed up, gnarled fingers and say that people are brainwashed for wearing a mask? And at this point, doctors, nurses, scientists, medical professionals are requiring, suggesting, begging and pleading no brandy for you to wear a mask over your nose and mouth. They're not asking you to go out and do backflips. They're not asking you to do 300 squats. They're not asking you to go build a wall. They're asking you to put a cloth mask covering over your face, over your nose and your mouth to prevent your droplets. When you be talking that bullshit and talking about all kind of right wing anti whatever shit he be talking about on Twitter. When you open up that mouth and talk that shit, cover a mask, put a mask on top of it. Otherwise, just shut up. But I, I, it frustrates me. That's all. I'm, I'm, <sighs> y'all, this is, this is why I have this segment because it allows me to get it off my chest. That is just complete ignorance in the face, in the face of science, you are choosing ignorance, choosing it, completely missing the point. The point, the point is not about anybody being brainwashed or this, that, or the third. It is about getting over this pandemic. It is, we, we are still in the midst of this pandemic, a pandemic that was declared in March of 2020. We're now in January of 2021, 300 people, 300,000 people have died and we are not close to having that number slow down. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get how, what, what privileged world do you live in where you think people are somehow being brainwashed into believing that this virus is somehow not real or that we're all just under some big old guise of political propaganda? And then you have the nerve to double down on it when people are telling you, hey, idiot, you sound like a jackass. I don't get it. And I will. I don't respect him. He was never, ever one of my favorite players. But at this point, he way in the back, way in the back, way in the back. And he's 6'10", so he ain't got to be up the front. He can see all the shit. So I probably will never, ever mention his name on this podcast ever again until he retires or he trips and falls on them size 17, 18 feet. Who knows? I don't know which one's going to happen first. But 
it's hard to get behind some of these American tennis players. And you got another less than smart American tennis player in his mentions or quoting him, Tennis Sangren, yep, talking to you, less than smart, doubling down on it and making the whole situation something to laugh and joke about. But if their grandma got it, if their aunt got it, if their dad got it and died from it, we wouldn't be hearing anything about being brainwashed. It would be a whole campaign he, with all the money he's owned and all the money he's won on the tennis court and the resources and access he's had. You know what it would be? It would be a whole organization or a charity or a, 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 um, a boat party or some kind of method of flexing the money he has in our face to make us believe it's serious that's because he's not affected but watch I, I i guarantee you if john isner's grandma ever passed away from covid19 that tune would change i bet you it would but since he hasn't been affected and has enough money to not be affected by this virus everyone else that thinks it's real is brainwashed i don't care if they ever come on this podcast i don't think i don't care if they ever hear this this is my opinion and it's not gonna change you do not have the right with all the impact and influence you have as the number one ranked American tennis player to tweet that people that wear masks are somehow brainwashed. Idiotic, less than smart, and you gotta get out of my face with that. That's all. And on that note, guys, we can wrap up the show. Please make sure to stay tuned and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're available on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on it. Make sure to Interact with the podcast on social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at Missing Point Pod. Also, check out the email in the podcast description, missingpointpod at gmail.com, so you can let me know what you're liking about the show, some constructive criticism if you'd like to drop some, and just anything you like, that email is yours to use, okay? Stay safe, love on all your loved ones, and let's keep our heads up for a prosperous, healthy as full of joy as life will allow 2021 it's time for some uptick and positivity because 2020 was trash and we have that behind us so let's do it up (laughs) i'll talk to you guys later take care